welcome to Power Play. I'm Vashi Capellos. Tonight, foreign actors are trying to undermine people's confidence in democracy itself. The Prime Minister insists Canadian elections are free and fair despite allegations of widespread interference in them by China. We'll talk to a defeated Conservative MP who says he was targeted by that foreign interference. Kenny Chu is here live in moments. Then, former CSIS director Ward Elcock and former Canadian ambassador to China Guy Saint-Jacques will weigh in. Plus, Roxham Road Clash. If Pierre Polyov wants to build a wall at Roxham Road, someone could do that. The Prime Minister agrees something needs to change at Quebec's border with the U.S., but denounces his political rival's proposed solution. The latest on that is coming up, but first. We have talked openly for many, many years about the real threat of interference and attempts by interference that countries like China continually do within our democracies. And we have continually increased not just um, that tool, but other tools that our security agencies have to follow up on that. So Canadians can and should continue to have faith in their institutions around this. And they need to know that everyone is taking this seriously. That was Prime Minister Justin Trudeau fielding questions about alleged Chinese election interference in the 2021 federal election. The allegations were first reported by the Globe and Mail. CSIS documents show the Chinese worked to defeat conservative politicians China viewed as critical of that country, alleging that Chinese diplomats even went as far as making undeclared donations to candidates seen as favorable to China. The Prime Minister insists the interference did not impact the results of the election, but a House committee already studying foreign election interference unanimously voted to expand the scope of that study to include the 2021 election. The committee was already in the process of investigating allegations of Chinese interference in the 2019 federal election. One of the conservative politicians reportedly targeted in 2021 by these efforts is Kenny Chu. Mr. Chu lost in that federal election in the B.C. riding of Stevenson, Richmond East. He is with us live now. Hi, Mr. Chu. Good to have you on the program. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for having me, Jackie. Uh, tell me a little bit about your experience and uh, in 2021 and how you believe you were targeted by China. Well, it's a very subtle and yet um, very complex uh, regime and, and system that is in play. Uh, it involves a multidimensional uh, campaign, uh, disinformation and misinformation spreading uh, in terms of complete falsified information. For example, I have table uh, private member bill to establish a foreign interference registry act. And that was uh, portrayed as anti-Chinese, that I am a racist, that I'm a traitor. And articles were written and being circulated among the constituents and through uh, Chinese only uh, social media websites such as WeChat, and uh, circulated through WhatsApp uh, groups, et cetera, et cetera. It is very difficult to detect and also very difficult to counter. Talk a little bit, if you could, about the difficulty in countering it. And how early did you know in that campaign or did you feel that you were being targeted? Well, I've been uh, in the short uh, year and 10 months uh, of tenure as a member of parliament. I've been in touch with uh, CSIS initially 
uh, was approached by them because um, I, I guess they are concerned. Uh, CISA's never explained to me why they're interested to talk to, talk to me and also to solicit and, and collect information from me. But they did talk to me and approach me. And during the election, I also uh, talked to them and, and pass over information that I, uh, my campaign staff and my volunteers have uh, reported to me. And, and so it is through this network of this information and also attack on uh, then my leader, uh, Aaron O'Toole, uh, through this information on his part, for example, that he intends to ban WeChat altogether, a social media platform that is also being used to conduct uh, business and uh, connections and messaging with uh, families over uh, in China, et cetera, et cetera. These are the, the steps that they took to undermine uh, conservative MPs now that we know. You mentioned that CSIS had reached out to you. What What is the earliest point at which you conveyed to them your worries about being targeted? Uh, First of all, it was them who took the initiative to, uh, okay. to approach. And it was 2020 during uh, the pandemic. And I was actually really surprised that they, they would do that. Um, having said that, I, um, I was not surprised that, uh, that uh, the, you know, I'll, be, I'll be an interest, uh, character of interest for the Chinese communists because I, I've been very critical of their work in Canada. Um, you know, that's why, that's also one of the reasons why I think we need to protect our, our country uh, with the Interference Registry Act. I know you have been uh, saying that and, and certainly making that um, proposal for, for a time now. The, the level of public consciousness since the Globe and Mail's reporting late last week seems to have increased about uh, the probability the, of this happening, the nature of the allegations. Do you think that will, um, I, I guess for lack of a better term, force the federal government's hand to do more on the issue? My, my observation, Fashi, has been that the, the governing um, party, the, the government, doesn't seem to have the urgency uh, and understanding how um, pressing the matter is, uh, the incentive to actually do it. They, they've been, quote unquote, dragging their feet. Uh, you know, every time when, when either uh, there, there are police stations being found uh, reported in Canada, they do uh, a talking point. And then when, when there is uh, a report about 11 candidates in 2019 potentially being compromised, uh, they, they say they're, they're considering conducting a study uh, to do for an in, uh, inference. When there are balloons uh, going over our heads, they will send out another talking point. This government doesn't seem to be willing to take any substantial, solid action. Um, Senator Leo Hosakos uh, on, the, in, on the Senate floor has already tabled um, the bill that I, I initially proposed. Uh, if the government is interested, all they have to do is just take that seriously, uh, make it go through the, the necessary steps, amend it if necessary, and then pass it as soon as possible. The United States already long have it. The Australians in 2015 already have it. And why does Canada not having it and making ourselves a weakest link in the uh, alliance, in, the, in, in our allies' chain? 
And just for everyone watching, what you're referring to is the uh, the idea of a foreign agents registry, um, sort of cataloging uh, those who would be in Canada, for, for example, doing what was alleged through those CSIS documents in the Globe. Uh, just before I let you go, Mr. Chu, uh, the, the you know to be fair, the Prime Minister hasn't ruled that out in the in when asked about it in the past few days, based on on the initial reporting. Um, he does, however, insist that. The election outcome, overall outcome, was not impacted, and and he says that he has information to that effect. Um, is 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 that a fair point as well? I, I understand. Obviously, you lost, and there was an impact on you. But his point is, he doesn't have any information to show that the outcome of the election was actually determined by this interference. Well, I've been telling everybody who willing to less, uh, listen that uh, that this is a factor of our election uh, winning or losing, depending on which uh, position you're observing. But my, my point is, I don't know where uh, the information Prime Minister has received from and based on what, uh, even if it is swaying just, you know, 10 votes, you know, uh, impacting and manipulating with this information of Canadians, would that be okay if it is 100, if it is 1,000? So it, it's important that we put in place the, the uh, legislation that prevents this from happening again. And, uh, you know, if the government is actually doing something substantial, actually doing the work, uh, I suppose the, um, the national security apparatus would not be as concerning, uh, would not be as worrying, uh, in, you know, so much so that they, they would actually step up to be a whistleblower. Okay, Mr. Chu, I'm going to leave it there. I appreciate your time this evening. Thank you. Thank you. And Kenny Chu is a former Conservative MP in British Columbia. So how concerned should Canadians be over these alleged incidents of election interference? Let's find out. With me for some more perspective now, Ward Elcock, former director of CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, and Guy Saint-Jacques, former Canadian ambassador to China. Hello to both of you. Thank you very much for making the time. Mr. Elcock, I'll start with you. Uh, in your capacity as uh, director of CSIS, I'm wondering what your perspective is on the scope of what's being alleged as far as China's potential interference in, in the 2021 election. Is it that it, we just know a lot more about it, or is it a lot more than what China's been doing in, in the past? I think what China has been doing more recently has increased significantly since even my time as director, although even then China was, was probably the most important target. Uh, so the fact that it has increased more is, is problematic, uh, and, but it goes with the, the, the whole whole process of China's engagement with the world. We're just another part of the world where they're engaging more than they used to and where some of the things that they used to do, which are covert or are unfriendly, uh, they just do more of them. What was laid out there, Mr. Saint-Jacques, in the, in the Globe and Mail as far as uh, what is being alleged China did in, in 2021, is any of it news to you? Well, I think it's uh, an escalation. I knew that they were interfering more and more. And as Mr. Elcock was just saying, in fact, since uh, Xi Jinping came to power in 2012, he has uh, substantially increased the budget of the United Front War Department, which is charged with uh, propaganda abroad, especially trying to influence the uh, Chinese uh, diaspora around the world. And when I was ambassador, I knew that they, they were trying to influence uh, uh, some politicians at the 
mostly at the uh, provincial and uh, federal level. But in fact, what uh, we learn uh, in those most recent articles uh, is uh, a step uh, much further, and I find this uh, very worrying. Does it necessitate, Mr. Elcock, from, from where you sit, a stronger response? It depends what you mean by stronger response and, and, and what it is you can do. It's, what can be done from where you sit? That's complicated. I mean, this is, in a sense, counterintelligence work, although, as, as Guy pointed out, it isn't just simply intelligence services. There is the, the uh, United Front effort on the part of China, which, is, has, which they have emphasized even more in the last few years. So it, 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 but it is a counter, essentially a counterintelligence investigation. Some of it you could take, part, take care of by putting in place a registry. You would catch the people who are buying friendships and so on, the Chinese who are, who are, who are being recruited by the Chinese as friends of China, so to, so to speak. Uh, the more the more difficult part is the clandestine part, the part that's being taken care of by intelligence officers or the foreign interference that's being done by foreign intelligence officers from China and, and in some cases other countries as well. The, the first part of the solution being proposed that Mr. Elcock just touched on, uh, Mr. St. Jacques, is what, uh, for example, some conservative candidates allege is the reason they were targeted by China. The, the proposition or the proposal that uh, Canada adopt a, a foreign agent's registry. Do, do you think that is likely to um, sort of prompt China to, to target candidates? Well, I, I think, you know, uh, we should uh, have been... Uh, adopting the Australian approach a long time ago. Australia was faced with a similar problem about four years ago, and they adopted uh, four laws to try to prevent foreign interference. And one of the law uh, uh, resulted in the creation of a registry for everyone that represents a state or an enterprise or a foreign government. Of course, nobody said it was directed at China, but everyone knew that it was. And, and I think that... Uh, uh, when I hear the prime minister sa uh, saying, well, the uh, result of the election was not uh, influenced by that, well, uh, I would make a comparison with a hockey game. Uh, what about, you know, someone coming to uh, steal your hockey stick or uh, uh, cut the laces on your uh, skates and uh, you get on the ice? And, of course, the, the other team has uh, more chances of winning. And you say, well, you know, the game was decided on the ice. So it's something similar that, in my view, requires a full investigation. Uh, you know, the, it was reported that there were Chinese students that work as volunteers. Well, you know, an investigation uh, could ask uh, uh, candidates, uh, because I'm sure they have uh, compiled information on all those uh, volunteers, who, who they were. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we need to, to sort this out. And, and I think there are a number of measures that need to be taken to counter this kind of uh, behavior, including, if required, expelling Chinese diplomats. Uh, let me pick up on that point, Mr. Alcock, um, because that is something the opposition has called for. Basically, the, at the heart of the political back and forth over this is whether the government is, A, taking it seriously enough, and B, addressing the issue as fully as it could. On the prospect of expelling diplomats, your thoughts on that? The prospect of dispelling, uh, expelling diplomats can, can actually backfire. Uh, not always, perhaps, but it can. Uh, there was a, an occasion some years back when, when, the, when Canada expelled something like 12 Russian uh, GRU and KGB officers. 
the Russians turned around and expelled virtually the whole of the embassy, the whole of the real embassy in, in Moscow, plus a whole lot of people who hadn't even made it to Moscow yet, who were in the process of preparing to go to Moscow, effectively destroying the, the foreign affairs program, the foreign affairs program vis-a-vis Russia for a period of years. So it, it can backfire. The question of what you can actually do is a difficult one. I mean, for the example, in the case of the money provided to a candidate, uh, if, if it's illegal to provide money to a candidate, then you can prosecute somebody. But then you've got to prove where the money actually came from. And that can be difficult, too, because you may have to reveal sources that you don't want to reveal who provided you the information of the, about the links that would allow you to know where that information came from, where the money came from. So this is more complicated than, than certainly uh, the political parties would like it to be, I'm sure. Uh, they would like it to be much simpler. This is complicated stuff and it will be hard to work out in simple ways. Uh, Mr. Saint-Jacques, just circling back then to, to the point you made, and it's certainly one that, that you've made before as China does grow more adversarial, that you kind of, uh, you know, have to take a posture that, that stands up to them kind of thing. Um, and, and that's what, what you just outlined as well. Why do you think at this juncture that is so crucial? Well, you know, the what China has been doing is they they have been... Uh, uh, gradually being more uh, uh, forceful in their approach. And uh, their attitude is that if it uh, does not generate any reaction, well, you know, we have the green light and we continue. And the only language that China understands is firmness. And we have to push back. And maybe, you know, before expelling people, uh, we should uh, uh, convoke the Chinese ambassador or the, uh, the consul general in uh, Toronto or Vancouver and tell them that we are aware of activities that goes against uh, bilateral relations, against international treaties, and if it, this is repeated, uh, they will be, they will, people will be expelled. So you have to give them a very stern warning uh, and let them know that, that you watch. But otherwise, uh, if you don't do anything, if, uh, uh, you know, they, they will always continue to, to push and our space will be gradually uh, reduced and our democracy uh, will be affected. Okay, I have to leave it there. I appreciate the analysis from both of you. Thanks, Mr. Elcock. Thanks, Mr. St. Thank you. And we're going to dig into the issue of Chinese election interference a little bit later with the Front Bench panel. Up this evening, Gary Marr, Stephen McNeil, Melanie Richet, and Joyce Napier. Up next, though, the latest on the political fight at the border. New details on Roxham Road are right after a very quick break. Stay right there. Pierre Polyov wants to build a wall at Roxham Road, someone could do that. The problem is we have 6,000 kilometers worth of undefended shared border with the United States. And as we saw with tragedies at Emerson, as we've seen uh, it challenges elsewhere across the country, people will choose to cross elsewhere. The only way to effectively shut down not just Roxham Road, but the entire uh, border to this, uh, these irregular crossings is to renegotiate the safe third country agreement. 
Turning now to the political debate around the U.S.-Canada border, specifically the part of it at Roxham Road in Quebec. Both Quebec's premier and federal Tory leader, Pierre Polyev, are calling on the federal government to close Roxham Road to prevent asylum seekers from crossing into the province by foot in between official points of entry. You heard the prime minister's response there to those calls. For more, let's talk to our senior political correspondent, Glenn McGregor. Hi, Glenn. Hey. This is a very... The logistics of the issue are complicated, yes. but the politics don't don't seem to be. Not uh, this that is a very much yeah. Pierre Polyev versus Justin Trudeau and Francois Legault and Francois versus Legault versus in there Justin too. Ex explain for us a little bit about why this is yeah. so highly political. Well, it's good politics for both Francois Legault and Pierre Polyev uh, because they're kind of playing to their base. People see the pictures on TV of these immigrants uh, crossing the border illegally, at least until the point that they claim asylum, uh, and it tends to provoke a reaction, and people look for solutions to it. And the solution that both Mr. Legault and Mr. Polyeva proposed is shutting down that uh, crossing point. And just to be clear, we know it's not a, it's not a border post like you would cross at Thousand Islands or somewhere like that. It's, it's, it, you know, it's an irregular border crossing. And uh, Canada Border Service Agency has done that in order to manage all the people coming across the border to kind of get them going into one place. Uh, but there's politics on both sides, too. The, the Prime Minister is playing a little bit of politics today, today uh, suggesting that Pierre Polyev had proposed building a wall, which, of course, he has not done. And I'm wondering where he's getting that image from. It sounds very familiar yeah. in the recent history of politics. It's obviously an allusion to, to uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and, and that's not what Polyev is proposing uh, in any ways. But, you know, this seems like a, you know, it's a complicated problem for which both Legault and Polyev are proposing a solution right. that seems simple. Simple solutions don't always work. And, you know, if, if they actually shut down that uh, crossing point, the government contends that people would cross at other places. It is, we have, a, as the Prime Minister said in that clip, 6,000 uh, kilometers of undefended border, or un unpoliced border anyway, and people can cross anywhere. And we've seen some tragedies uh, in Manitoba uh, where people crossed there and, and, and froze to death. Um, the government doesn't want to see that happening again. But the real problem is they can't get the Americans on side to amend the, the legislation this, this, or the agreement, rather, uh, the, the safe right. third country agreement. And that's, that's going to be a nosebleed for them. doesn't look like the Americans are moving on that right now. Well, so. I wanted to ask you about that because uh, just for everybody watching, the safe third country agreement applies to official points of entry at the border. Correct. And what it means is if you're coming from the U.S. seeking asylum, you're going to be turned back to the U.S. because the, the justification is that the environment through which you'll make those claims is the same as identical in both countries. Right. The Supreme Court is actually examining whether that agreement is even constitutional and could deliver a verdict on that right. as soon as this, I, uh, my understanding is, this summer. But what the Fed say is, well, the, the hope in all of this, the solution in all of this lies in negotiating a modernized agreement with the United States. What impetus does the U.S. have to change the situation? Not very much. And frankly, you know, for the United States, this is a minor problem to them compared to the, the immigration issues they're dealing with on their southern border. And what we've seen is in reports that uh, some immigrants in New York State are being uh, bussed up to the Roxham Road area. Uh, and now the solution, uh, one of the solutions that uh, Francois Legault is looking at is, is moving the immigrants once they cross over, make their asylum claims, take them to other places, because he's quite rightly concerned about the strain 
on Quebec's resources. Now, a lot of the costs of, for those people, uh, housing, things like that, are paid for by the federal government, but there still is a component that the provincial governments and municipalities also uh, have to pay. It is, it is truly a strain. There's also a language component, too. I mean, Quebec is, has historically been very jealous about guarding its control over immigration because they want to make sure that new immigrants coming to the province are going to learn to speak French. And clearly, a lot of those people who are coming from New York State, from other countries, from South America, from Africa, uh, are you know, very likely a low percentage of those people are natural French speakers. Right. So that's another concern factored into that. Yeah, it's a layered political issue. Thanks yeah. very much, Glenn. Appreciate yes. it. CTV's senior political correspondent, Glenn McGregor. The front bench panel will be here in a few minutes to talk about exactly what Glenn was laying out there. First, though, the latest on very contentious public sector negotiations. Your political roundup, the list, is next. Stay with us. Welcome back to Power Play on this Wednesday evening. Time for the list, a roundup of what's happening in politics today. Public servants are taking labor grievances to a strike vote. More than 120,000 members of the Public Service Alliance of Canada have until April 19th to cast ballots. The union and federal government are at an impasse over wage increases. Workers are pushing for 4.5% annual raises for three years, and the feds want to cap those annual increases at just over 2%. Treasury Board President Mona Forche, negotiating on behalf of the federal government, was not available for an interview, but her office did send us a statement, which says in part, the government is disappointed that the Public Service Alliance of Canada has chosen to call for strike votes. We will be entering mediation with PSAC in April with the assistance of a third-party mediator. Because what literally is at stake is not just Ukraine, it's freedom. The idea that over 100,000 forces would invade another country after war since World War II. Nothing like that has happened. Things have changed radically. We have to, we have to make sure we change them back. U.S. President Joe Biden making one last stop on his Eastern European tour, meeting there with leaders from NATO's eastern flank, the countries, of course, which are physically closest to Russia. Biden reaffirmed his commitment to the military alliance in those comments, insisting that the U.S. will defend, he says, every inch of NATO territory. Biden's tour of Eastern Europe was preceded by a stop in Kyiv over the weekend to mark the one-year anniversary of Russia's war on Ukraine. And China's top diplomat sitting down with Vladimir Putin in Moscow today. Wang Yi and the Russian president spoke of, quote, cooperation between the two countries. And Putin also announced Chinese President Xi Jinping has agreed to visit Russia. That announcement is amplifying concerns China could bolster Russia's war efforts in Ukraine. Coming up, we're going to take a quick break. After the break, what to do about China and the potential for election interference. Our front bench panel is set to dig into those allegations. There's Stephen McNeil, Gary Meyer, Melanie Richet, and Joyce Napier. They're here in just a moment. Stay right there. Where we should be careful as responsible leaders and in dealing with this seriously is to not fall into some of the political partisan uh, traps uh, that are that are out there right now uh, it's not about one party versus another the conservative party and conservative candidates that were targeted by 
the Chinese Communist Party were not informed about this campaign of interference, but they were targets. Instead, they were kept in the dark. Allegations of foreign election interference are front and center, as you saw there in Ottawa right now, following media reports of how widespread China's alleged interference in the 2021 election was. The Conservatives are demanding the feds do more, and the prime minister is demanding the opposition not get too partisan. Let's bring in the front bench panel to talk about the dynamics of that. Joining me this evening, former Nova Scotia Premier Stephen McNeil. He's now a strategic business advisor for the law firm Cox & Palmer in Halifax. Former Alberta MLA and cabinet Minister Gary Marr. He's the president and CEO of the Canada West Foundation now. Former communications director to Jagmeet Singh, Melanie Richet, is here. She now works at Ernst Cliff Strategies and CTV National News Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier. Rounds out our panel. Hello, everyone. Happy happy Wednesday. Uh, Gary, I'm going I'm to start with you. We spoke with Kenny Chu, who was defeated out in B.C. Um, in, in the last election, says CSIS actually reached out to him, uh, but, but he is hoping that the federal government kind of, in his words, take this more seriously. Do you think that that is a, a, a genuine ask? Well, look, uh, let me say, first of all, uh, here in Canada, we're accustomed to lots of things being made in China, but election results shouldn't be one of them. And I think that uh, Mr. Chu has a legitimate uh, issue to raise. Uh, the Prime Minister has talked about how the overall interference didn't really impact uh, the general election results, and there's 338 ridings in the country, uh, but has not the, um, the, the electoral will of, uh, of the electorate been subverted in the case of somebody like Mr. Chu? I don't think that this is a partisan issue. I think that all politicians and all parties should be concerned about uh, learning about what happened when the information came forward and how it was used, because the idea of pushing this under the rug and saying there's nothing to see here it just doesn't seem to be a very satisfactory uh, approach to dealing with the issue of ensuring that not just the overall election result was okay, but that it was uh, appropriate results in each of 338 ridings. Joyce, what the Prime Minister has said so far is basically... I, there's been no information presented to him to give him reason to believe that the outcome of the election was determined by this interference. The point that, that Gary's making and that Mr. Chu made is that there's kind of a lot of room in between there, right? Like the, the outcome being determined, but also there being some sort of role of China in, in, in the process and that in and of itself being a problem. Do you think if the prime minister sort of shed some more sunlight on all of this, it becomes, it diffuses the, the political nature of it, or is this going to be partisan no matter what? I think this is going to be partisan no matter what. Uh, we're in Ottawa, <laughs> and I, I think everything turns into partisan. Uh, thing. There, there's two different... There's two different stories here. There is the the way the, the prime minister is dealing with it. There's his communication strategy, which is basically no communication here. No, you got to trust me. Everything's fine. Uh, nothing to see here. But every day we see that there are things to see here. Um, you know, the, the the document, the CSIS document that the Globe and Mail has seen that we haven't seen. So it's difficult for us to judge, but we take their word for it. There are things in that document that will, I think are worth seeing and you know the prime minister seems to be telling people just trust me but it's difficult to do because we don't know what's going on um, and the, the the trouble is he doesn't seem 
to either know what's going on, is he being informed about what's going on, is there, is, is the government taking this seriously? Is it because there are reports in the media and also words from the opposition that the prime minister is speaking? So, you know, there's a strategy here uh, that is failing and they should get ahead of it get a bit of transparency, show us that something is being done, the public, right. and show the Chinese that Canada is reacting. Are we, is Canada having conversations with the Chinese? Are there any questions being asked of the Chinese? Is there anything that the Prime Minister can share so that people don't doubt? And when you leave right. room for doubt is when you have lost the communication uh, game. Stephen, could the, could the Prime Minister, do you think, be more forthcoming? And second part of the question, he's, he's sort of saying to the opposition, don't be too partisan about this because that will amplify China's case too. Well, I don't know what the Prime Minister knows. So uh, I think it, this is one of those <laughs> cases, uh, whatever he knows, uh, whatever anyone knows should be put out in the public, be specific about what uh, what is happening. Because more importantly than... And Joyce is right. You're here in Ottawa. You don't have to be in Ottawa. You can be in any one of our capital cities. It's a, it'll become partisan pretty quickly. Uh, but I think more importantly, uh, we want to make sure that it doesn't undermine the confidence of Canadians in, in our elections system. Uh, I mean, there's already, we're watching south of the border. We're seeing what's happening in other places around the world. Uh, the lack of confidence in elections. Uh, I think the last thing Canadians need is to have their confidence undermined uh, in this. So the way to prevent that is to be specific about what you know and to have our intelligence agents show up uh, at a committee, which I hear they're going to be doing, uh, and laying out what they know when they knew it. And, and then we can all make our own mind up about whether or not the, the government has been forthright at this point. What will be interesting to watch, and Stephen makes a good point, uh, Melanie, about the committee that will now expand the scope of investigation to include 2021, is that so far those um, parties, for example, the ministers that oversee this or CSIS have, have been there, but not been what one would might describe as forthcoming, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the information is obviously covered by national security concerns, but mm -hmm. a, a lot of questions were asked and not a lot of answers were given. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that will change given the kind of amplified level of scrutiny right now on the mm -hmm. issue. Well, I think, like like others have said, a balance is is required. We don't obviously want to put too much information out there that um, bad actors could use that information. But at the same time, Canadians need to be reassured that the strength of our democracy is protected, that the the process is transparent, that things are being done to protect that and to stop that interference from happening. Um, the interesting thing about committee is what we've seen so far is, is like the Conservatives always do, they kind of turn this into a little bit of a circus. Uh, they have a list of a million people that they want to come testify. None of it is um, going to actually get to the matter of the issue to get transparency for people. So I mean, I the think ministers and the head of CSIS will be important to hear from. Absolutely, absolutely. But the, 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 the rhetoric that we're really seeing here is not helpful. People need to know that our election was a fair election. Um, what we're seeing in the states is is not helpful to protect our democracy here. So the the, the inflaming of that rhetoric for for the conservatives' own good, I don't think is helpful. Um, what I will say is there are thoughtful ways to do that. We can we've seen at other committees that you know there was a judge that brought in and the committee members were able to see the documents in private instead of just being given documents that are are striked out of all the information. So there are thoughtful ways to do this that we can get to the information, can be transparent for people without putting um, 
really future elections at risk. Yeah, the, the U.S. example that both you and Stephen highlight, I think, is an important. We've seen what happens when people don't believe the totally. outcome of an election, and it, and it isn't pretty. So sunlight is important in this case. I'm mm -hmm. going to take a quick break. The front bench panel is sticking around. On the other end of that break, we're going to talk about what's happening at the Roxham Road crossing in Quebec. Lots of political back and forth there as well. We're back in just a moment here on Power Play. Stay right there. We as a country can close that border crossing. If we are a real country, we have borders. And if this is a real Prime Minister, he is responsible for those borders. That is why Conservatives are calling for the Prime Minister to implement a plan to close the Roxham Road crossing within 30 days from now. People can you know, toss out simplistic solutions. Uh, that's their right. But if someone wants to seriously solve the problem, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and do the work as we are. A battle over the border. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev, as you heard there, calling for Roxham Road to be closed, while Prime Minister Justin Trudeau labels that a simplistic solution. Why is this such a political battle? Let's bring back the front bench to talk about that. Stephen McNeil, Gary Meyer, Melanie Richet, and Joyce Napier are with me this evening. Uh, Stephen, I will start with you. Why, why is this such a political battle and I and I say it I ask the question because it's not the first time it has been well the reality of it is that's one of many borders it's the one or many crossings across our country you know, we have people coming in it's it just to suggest that we can just close it without fully understanding the consequences to those who are attempting to come across we've seen tragedies in some of our western provinces on those borders I think, uh, you know, the federal government has been moving forward and trying to get rid of the backlog uh, around our normal immigration process and refugee process, which is uh, the pandemic certainly uh, built up. Um, but I also think uh, Premier Legault has a, a legitimate issue here, uh, is in the meantime, inside of the Federation, it will require all of our provinces to, to pitch in uh, to do uh, this in a humanitarian way to deal with these people coming in. At the same time, the federal government has to deal with the, with, uh, the U.S. government uh, to start treating these entry points very much like we do uh, at all of our uh, regular border crossings. The, the question, I guess, will start on the, the latter part of what Stephen just laid out, Melanie, is around the probability of the U.S. agreeing to that? Because essentially, uh, right now, the situation is better for them, right? In, in so far as they have a problem with um, a, another border, they are concerned about the number of asylum seekers there, and they've been able to essentially offload 40,000 uh, of them who, who've come to Canada. So, so the, what, are in your, what are the prospects, in your view, for the U.S. being the solution to the federal government's problem here? Right. I, I think that's definitely what we're seeing, uh, why we're seeing the federal government stall a little bit. I'm assuming those conversations are happening in the background. Um, but for years now, basically, um, the NDP, Jenny Kwan, has said this so many times, and, and other advocates have said, the way to solve this is to suspend the safe third country agreement, and, and that's going to be what's difficult with the U.S., and I think that's why... Um, we're not seeing a lot of action there. It's, it, it was hopeful, at least to me today, to hear the Prime Minister say that the way to solve this is to to uh, fix the, the agreement or to, to amend it. Um, I don't know how exactly you do that, uh, but but to use this as a as a 
political football and and really not talk about these are people who are risking everything who are in desperate situations and are risking everything to come you know we saw that story in in manitoba last year of a family freezing to death like to to not have that consideration in the conversations that we're having um is is really disappointing and i think we we need to pay particular attention to do to have that conversation right well it does all tie together in a way gary right because for example at the roxham road crossing last month there was a gentleman who who passed away he actually was heading back towards the united states because he and his family were not able to find uh you know a, a sustainable solution essentially to and the resources that they needed in order to stay in quebec so it's really emblematic actually of what premier legault is saying right that 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 perhaps the capacity to deal with the, the volume that they're seeing just isn't there. Um, and at the same time, there's a very human cost to that. D does that, from, from your perspective, increase the pressure on the federal government to, to come up with some kind of solution, even though that solution, you know, I, I, I don't want to present it as simplistic. It isn't. It, it's not going to be an easy solution, but it has to be one that's made in Canada because I don't think that we can rely on the United States over whom we have very little or no leverage to change our agreement. And, and it's interesting to me that Canadians are now getting some sense of what's happening in a lot of European nations as refugees are coming across the borders uh, into places like Poland or perhaps on the Mediterranean, uh, you know, coming onto the shores of Greece. And I would remind people about, you know, the tragic story of Alan Kurdi, a five-year-old boy, a Syrian refugee who washed up on the shores of a Mediterranean beach. Uh, Canadians were moved by that. And the, the real-life circumstances of these individuals who are giving up everything and trying everything in order to find a safe place to live, I think is moving to Canadians, but there needs to be a Canadian-made solution where the provinces and the federal government work together to figure out how to deal with this. And, and as somebody said earlier, the closing of, uh, you know, Roxham Road is not going to be a solution. All it's going to be is uh, uh, to signal the beginning of a 6,000-kilometer whack-a-mole game uh, that will be impossible to control. So um, there is no simple solution to this, and I think that's the honest truth. Uh, your analysis, uh, Joyce, of the way in which this is being handled from a communications perspective, and I ask for, you know, not to be crass, but because, uh, like, like many of our panelists have alluded to, there is a feeling in Canada, and poll after poll shows it, that we are one of the more welcoming countries, especially relative to, uh, to other ones, uh, for the notion of immigration and refugees and the, uh, you know, added value they bring to this country. Um, the, the prospect of a political debate weakening that, uh, that sort of feeling or changing it is, is certainly, you know, present right now. How important is it then for the feds to seem like they're taking this seriously, for Quebec to seem like they're taking this seriously, and for everyone to be kind of humane about it? Well, I think Quebec is taking this seriously. I mean, a, a, a premier who writes an op-ed and explains, look, it's not that we don't want to be humanitarian, but we have no longer the capacity to take them in. Uh, housing, schooling, uh, health care. There's a whole bunch of things that come into play when you accept so many immigrants. Let's make a parallel. If it, this was the United States, they have 10 times more people than us, it would be the equivalent of the Americans receiving in one year 400,000 illegal refugees, immigrants. So 
it is an issue, and it, and it should not only be a Quebec issue, and that's sort of the message that Mr. Legault, uh, when he puts them on a bus and tells them, here, go to Ontario, so that it becomes a pan-Canadian problem, not only a Quebec problem. So, you know, Mr. Poiliev makes a good point when he says, are we no longer in control of our own border? Do we have to ask? Because that's what it looks like. Just the perception that, well, we need to negotiate with the Americans to see if we can do something about our border problem is, you know, unconscionable to many Canadians. So, and it's a very complicated, it is indeed complicated. What is the third, the, the safe, safe third, third country, country agreement? It is a complicated one that people probably can't wrap their brains around. So what they're seeing, in fact, is all these people coming Coming in and nobody seems to be doing anything about it and then they said here come on in and you know they, they, there's no room in schools there's no housing so the gentleman who left sadly left because of what yeah. Lugo said in his op-ed I can no longer sustain this in you know in Montreal even if I spread them around the country I can no longer sustain and let's not forget that there are how many million people waiting in line as well so it looks chaotic, and the, the worst thing for a government is to look out of control. And having a problem at the border, they say, well, you know, we have to ask the Americans if they would, you know, kindly renegotiate an agreement. Does not look good for a country. And when Poiliev says, are we not in control of our own border anymore, uh, he makes a point that that a lot of people can understand. In the interim, though, Stephen, and, and this is something um, that we heard a lot of over the past few weeks, is there a way to address kind of the immediate concerns, not the overarching concern about the Safe Third Agreement, but we've heard some Atlantic premiers come out and say, for example, okay, we'll take some. Uh, Ontario, uh, you know, many of, the, many of those seeking asylum in the past number of weeks have almost wholly been sent to Ontario. Uh, other, like, is there a way for the federal government to coordinate a response that that kind of amplifies that absolutely and the, the federation of premiers should be also at the front of this conversation uh, the last thing we want is happening in canada what's happening in the united states where a governor or having a premier put people on bus and shipping them to another province this should be done in a humane way and be done systematically working with inside of the federation um, you know i i can't imagine there's a premier in the country that wouldn't be willing uh, to accept uh, some 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 of the issues that are happening in Quebec, uh, this is a national issue. It just happens to be the border that they're crossing today happens to be in Quebec, and I would say to you, right. it is our border. But with the, a border, by its very nature, has two partners. <laughs> there's there's the other side of this border. The last thing, without without working through uh, with the U.S. government, our option is what: send them home, send them back. Uh, that's not the way to right. solve this issue in the long run. There has to be a, a conversation uh, to deal with this. But in the meantime, okay. I think we should answer the call of Premier Legault as a federation and say, how do we best as a country uh, deal with this 40,000 people coming in? Because as Joyce laid out and as Op-Ed right. laid out, it's not just welcoming them, the okay. pressure on your health care system, the housing, and, and I, the list goes on. Right. I got, I got to leave it there. I'm out of time. I appreciate your time. Stephen McNeil, Gary Marr, Melanie Richet, and Joyce Napier. Very quickly, today's takeaway, Kenny Chu lost. A conservative MP lost, says he was the target of Chinese interference. Here's how he said he dealt with Canada's spy agency. I've been in touch with uh, CSIS initially. I uh, was approached by them because um, I, I guess they are concerned. Uh, CSIS never explained to me why they're interested to talk to, talk to me and also to solicit and, and collect information from me. 
but they did talk to me and approach me. And during the election, I also uh, talked to them and, and pass over information. Defeated conservative MP Kenny Chu there telling us that he did talk to CSIS about allegations China was targeting him in the 2021 election. A committee will now study that. That does it for us tonight on Power Play. Let's hand things over to my colleague, Morella Fernandez.